I remember it was May 16th, and uh, May in 2016, and we were driving from with our family and our minivan from Phoenix to Oklahoma City, and uh, I just was rehearsing some soundtracks in my head overnight as we were driving through the night. Uh, girls were all asleep. Shannon was probably asleep. I remember as I was rehearsing some of these soundtracks that were running through my head, my head was just shaking. I wasn't even really recognizing it, even paying attention, but I just kept going like, like this. And I was rehearsing the soundtracks of things that had transpired in the previous week or two, where I was forced to resign from a position in a church that I loved, in a place that I thought we would have a long future. And I remember as I was rehearsing those soundtracks, things like, how could they do that to me? God, how could you do that to me? How could you do that to us, to our family? What are we supposed to do now? And I was rehearsing different scenarios, different situations, different conversations, things that had transpired, and I was just shaking my head. And the soundtrack kept playing over and over again. This isn't right. God, what are you doing? What do we do now? And it was those soundtracks that began to fuel an emotion inside that, that when, when something isn't right, when you feel like you've been wronged or, or things go on, that, that you just feel and fuel inside of you an anger, a hurt, a bitterness, a pain. And you rehearse that over and over and over again. And these feelings of being a victim or feelings of being wronged, <laughs> you kind of Lean into that, and you feel that, and, and now my family and I, we have to bear the weight of this. And this idea of being a victim, this idea of being wronged was, was something that I would share then with others. You're trying to get healing, you're trying to get help, we talk with other friends and family, and, and you lean into that, and you look for sympathy, and you want other people to say, yeah, that was wrong, and you go, yeah, that wasn't right, and, 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 and what do we do about it? Over and over, God, what happened? shaking my head, wondering, rehearsing those soundtracks. That was become a very defining moment, a defining moment for me, for Shannon, for our family, something that we knew from that day on, things were going to look different. Our future was going to be going to have to change. It's not what we had thought, not what we had projected, but in some ways it felt like now we were anchored to this moment that we didn't want, but that was done to us. Now, in hindsight and over time, I have to also look back and say, what did I contribute? Where was I wrong? How could I have done some things different for sure? But in that moment, when you're in those early moments and in those days, you're rehearsing and thinking of those things, these defining moments. What mo what's our future going to look like? How will I lead again? Will I have another church? Will, will I change directions? When life changes, when life throws you a curveball, you, you wonder those things. But it's those soundtracks that play over and over again in, in, in our minds. And today, I want to talk about the soundtrack, I Can't Let It Go. I can't let it go. I just can't let it go. It's hard when something happens to you that you can't let go. And we're going to lean into this soundtrack and say, God, how can you change that soundtrack in my mind and running through my heart and through my head because we're talking in the series soundtracks, how do we change our tune? 
Whereas we begin this year, 2024, not just about having a new resolution, having some new habits, some new practices, but really how do we change the music, the lyrics, the, the lines, the loops that are going on in our head because what happens in our head, the way that we think affects our actions. And some of us are stuck in some verbal loops that go back to our childhood, that go back to past memories that deal with fear and worry and anxiety and things that we think people think about us and us about uh, others think about us. And these lyrics, these soundtracks, they hold us back. And the Bible tells us and God tells us that, that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. That transformation happens when we change the way we think and we need to let God change the way we think to renew our mind because as Psalm 40 verse 3 says, he has given us a new song to sing. And so we want to replace these broken soundtracks, these negative thoughts, these negative emotions that we have that forever keep us bound back to say, how can in this year we think and hear a new soundtrack, a new song that God has given to us. As the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, it says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so we want to take these thoughts, we want to take these negative soundtracks, we want to take them captive and say, all right, God, now I want you to transform that. I want, to, I want the future to look different than what I've been dealing with. And the way we begin to change that is by singing a new soundtrack and thinking things different and letting God transform and renew our thoughts. Because we want soundtracks, if you remember back to our, our first week, we talked about soundtracks that are true. We have to ask ourselves, is what I'm telling myself, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it really helping me? Is it kind? Right? These are things that we have to ask because if they are, that's when we move forward. So today, we want to look at the soundtrack, I Can't Let It Go. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? Somebody raise, raise your hand if you've ever thought something happened to you and you're going like, I, I can't let this go, right? Maybe you didn't stay there and you've moved past it, but at some point, maybe you've, you've experienced something like that where you go, I can't let it go because here's the thing, life is hard. People are stupid. <laughs> People are mean. People do things that, that you're not supposed to say stupid, I know. But things happen, right? You got fired. You got let go. You got demoted. You got passed over for a job. Something affects your life and you go, is this, can I continue on? Things in your marriage go south. There's divorce. There's cheating. Things aren't going well. You may never even be able to have that back. Other times in your life, other relationships, maybe you've been backstabbed. You've been lied to. Somebody used to be your best friend, and now they're not because you just can't let it go. You've been taken advantage of by someone. Maybe you've been financially scammed or deceived, wrongfully accused, sued, taken to court. You've been the victim of a crime. Maybe you've been physically hurt or abused emotionally in other ways by someone, not your fault, and now you're carrying the consequences. Maybe there's been malpractice. Maybe you have had a loved one that's been killed by a drunk driver. Maybe even someone murdered a family member. I just can't let it go. 
all these different scenarios, I've had conversations with people in churches that I've been involved in that have dealt with every single one of those things. And I'm guessing that some of you here have dealt with some of these very same things. And they've affected your life, and you're still carrying the consequences of it. No matter how long ago it's been, there's still maybe something that has impacted you to this day. And you think, and maybe you feel like, I just can't let it go. And somehow your life now, whether you wanted to, or obviously you didn't want to, but now maybe your life is forever linked to that person, or that situation, or that group of people, or that event. And now you're linked to that. And you just can't let it go. When we just can't let something go, that's a, a natural, I think, human reaction at first. And, and, and I want to talk about here, just to begin, with some unhealthy ways that we deal with being wronged. These are unhealthy ways we deal with being wronged, and they're probably what feel like some of those most natural ways of dealing with being wronged. And so we've maybe in different ways have experienced some of these. So one of the first ways that we deal with being wronged in some of these ways, we might say, is uh, just bitterness and anger. <laughs> We're just angry. We're just bitter. There's something, there's an edge. And maybe there's somebody that, that's, um, that you know who always seems to just have an edge about them. And they just always seem to be angry. And have you ever wondered, like, what happened to that person? Maybe you're that person. What happened in your life that has caused you to be so angry, to cause you to be so bitter? You've heard the phrase, hurt people, hurt people. There's something in our emotions that, that make us somehow think we can feel better by lashing out to somebody else because we've been hurt, and so we hurt somebody else, and somehow that's supposed to make things better, but we see there's no progress happening when that takes place. Bitterness and anger, revenge. I'm going to get him. I'm going to make him pay. Payback, baby. We won't go any further with that. Listening to the radio, and uh, even yesterday, this song, this song came on. I, uh, it was Carrie Underwood's song, before, uh, what, what's it, Before He Cheats? Or, uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Talk about a revenge song, right? Now, don't let this sweet little picture of Carrie Underwood fool you here. Um, <laughs> if you know the song, these lyrics, right? I dug my key into the side of his pretty little souped-up four-wheel drive, carved my name into his leather seats, Took a Louisville slugger to both headlights, slashed a hole in all four times tires. Maybe next time he'll think before he cheats. Oh, that's got to feel good, right? <laughs> Revenge. Get back. Wonder how many times that's happened since this song. What is it? We want to get back. We want to get even. But the reality is sometimes we've experienced justice. Maybe you've even had somebody, something that's been tried to make right, but you realize it may never actually change the situation that Ultimately, there's still an injustice that took place. Grudges and unforgiveness. Oh, this is one that we all do well. We can hold on to grudges for lifetimes sometimes. We'll take some of these things to our grave. I will never, ever over my dead body forgive them for what they did to me. We're going to punish them. We're going to hold it over their heads. I'm never letting go. I'm never letting you off the hook for this. Never. It's done. Hate is another one. Total disdain for someone. Just at the mention of their name. You ever been in a situation? You ever know somebody in your life that's wronged you? And just if they walk in the room, or if you see them somewhere, maybe it's at a family reunion, maybe it's at a gathering, maybe it's out in public, and isn't it interesting how our body can physically start having a faster heart rate? Anyone? Just me? Right? We've been affected and it affects us in a lot of different ways. 
Another way that we deal with it in an unhealthy way is we stay and we play the victim. Woe is me. I've been a victim. Do you know I'm a victim? I've been victimized. Affirm my victimization. And it's true, you have been a victim. There's things that have been wrong. Nothing's wrong with that. But we stay in that state perpetually because somehow now we allow that to be the defining moment of our lives. And forever we're going to be the victim. And now it's the reason and the excuse why nothing in our life ever goes forward. Nothing can ever be the way that it was. We're forever the victim and we stay in that place. And somehow it makes us feel good. We want to tell others. We want them to say, oh, oh, poor you, poor you, poor you. Now, we need sympathy, we need empathy when we go through hard times, but I'm talking about staying in that place long time. And forever in your life, looking back and saying, I can't move forward in my life because of something or what someone did to me. These are all unhealthy ways that we deal with being wronged. But there is an opportunity. Is this the way that we have to stay? Do we always have to stay bitter or can we get better? Do we always have to be the victim or can we be the victor? Today I want to look at scripture because then we're going to turn to God's word because there's a new soundtrack. There's a different way forward that we can move past this idea, the soundtrack that says, I just can't let it go and that forever binds us to the past. I want to pray for us this morning because I'm sure today that may be drawing up maybe a very real situation in your life today. And I want to pray that God would speak into that right now through his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We've all gone through some hard things. Father, some of us more than others, difficulties, places we've been wronged. And Lord, I pray today as whatever that moment, that situation, that person, those people, whatever it is, God, as they come up in our heart, Father, that today we could just hold them before you and ask for you to change the narrative, to change the way we think, to change the way we see things, and to be able to move forward. God, we surrender to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The first thing I want to say is life is messy and hard, as we've acknowledged, right? As we think about these situations and maybe others that I haven't even mentioned, life is messy and hard. And becoming a follower of Christ, following Jesus, does not erase the messy from our lives. It's not the solution. It's not just become a Christian, give your life to Jesus, and everything will be fine. Jesus uh, you know, proactively said to us, we look at John 16, 33, he says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Right? So he's saying, you will have trials and sorrows. You're not, you're not you know, uh, going to be immune from having these things. You're going to have tough stuff happen to you. Things are going to be difficult. That's the, the world. But that doesn't mean you can't have peace. That doesn't mean you can't live life. That doesn't mean you can't move forward, that you have to stay and to be in that place because Jesus has overcome the world. You can overcome that difficulty and those things that have happened, the trials and the sorrows. And we look throughout the Bible and we see all over again, the Bible doesn't sugarcoat things. You just have to turn a couple pages into the, into the Bible in Genesis and we see two brothers Right? One incredibly jealous of the other, and he kills his brother. <laughs> right there, right on the front of the Bible. And all throughout, lots of family problems and marriage issues and, and famines and wars and, and all kinds of trouble and turmoil and persecution. And, and just read the book of Job. <laughs> losing everything, losing your family, losing your fortune, losing your, 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 uh, the land, everything you have. Lost everything. 
How do we live in these places? The Bible talks about that. And let's not forget about Jesus. Jesus himself, right, the Son of God, endured all kinds of sorrows and trials and, and abandonment and betrayal and being wrongly accused and hung on a cross and executed. So we see that God's word can speak into this. And so, look, there's no quick and easy answers for this. These are deep-seated things that we have to deal with. But I know even in my own journey overcoming some of this is the, the, the biggest time in my life where I had to deal with unforgiveness it took about five years to really come to a place where there wasn't an emotional, physiological reaction to certain you know, thoughts that I had about that time and that season and what took place or certain people. And all of a sudden to find a freedom from that, it really is freeing and allows life to move forward. We can arrive there, but there's not an easy, quick way. But today I want to talk about three keys to letting go and moving on. Three keys to move, letting go and moving on, because we want to cue up a new soundtrack, right? We don't want to stay in that place where we just can't let it go. So how do we do that? And, and, and we look at God's Word, and the one passage that I want to just begin with here is Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. It says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. If only it were that easy, right? Just get rid of it. Like last week, Pastor Diane was sharing, right, with worry, right? You can't just, you know, just stop it, right? right? There's, a, there's a process there. There's something we need to do, and there's a, this, this verse offers us some hope. But, but and I think about this, why does it say get rid of it? Because the author, Paul, who's writing to the church, you know what he knew? <laughs> that there were people who had rage <laughs> and anger and who were slandering and who were bitter, right? Because that's the reality. And so this verse acknowledges that these are real challenges that we face, that humanity, that people, that believers in the church, that we struggle with these things. That, man, we just want to let it out. Like, we want to just go after it. And we want to hold on to these things. There's somehow that we feel like we're empowered if we can just not let something go. And these are often the ways that we release that frustration in very unhelpful ways, as we just talked about a little bit. But when you think about rage and anger and bitterness and slander, we think about that being leveraged towards somebody else. But really what it is, it becomes a reflection of who we are. We're the angry one. We're the bitter one. We're the one who slanders. We're the one who holds the unforgiveness, and somehow we think we're doing it for someone else, and we're, and we're making them pay, but in the end, we're the ones who have this chokehold around our necks. And so he says, get rid of it. So how do we do that? I want, like I said, I want to look at three keys to that. And the first is this. Bring it to God and be real. Bring it to God and be real with your frustrations and with your anger. Now, here's the thing. We bring it to everybody else and anyone else before God, usually. Our frustration, our anger, we leverage that. We, leash out, we, we lash out to those sometimes closest to us, especially the person that's wronged us, and we just go out with it. Or we take it in, and we bottle it up, and it just burns within us, and it just has this quiet boiling point that maybe at some point comes out. But we need to bring it to God. 1 Peter 5, 7 
Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Bring it all to God. This isn't about God. I only come to God when I sing the worship songs and when I say the right prayer, our Father who art in heaven. I, it's honesty. Your worries, your cares, your struggles, your pain, bring it to God. Let him know what it is. Tell him. Be honest with him. Don't deny. Don't hold back. We don't have to be afraid when we come to God to say, God, I'm really struggling right now. I'm really PO'd. I'm like, God, this is, this is duh, tough. And to be real with him, and I, I love the Psalms. That's why we have the Psalms in the Bible. The Psalms, we use a lot of our worship songs uh, from the Psalms. But it is kind of funny. We usually don't use like the, the angry Psalms, you know, in worship. But they were read in worship because I think they acknowledged, and maybe we need to do more of acknowledging the pain and the hurt and the struggle we have. So David, who writes, writes this, look at Psalm 69, 19 to 21. This is a, David voicing this to God. He says, you know of my shame, scorn, and disgrace. You see all that my enemies are doing. Their insults have broken my heart, and I'm in despair. If only one person would show some pity, if only one would turn and comfort me. I mean, this is just pouring out his heart to God. And he's saying, God, I, I, I need something here. This is how I'm feeling. These are my emotions. This is the struggle that I'm doing, I'm dealing with. So bringing it to God, he's being real. But not only with his own emotions, not only with his own struggles, but also with this idea of revenge. And getting back. And we talked about, like, how do I pay them back? What does the Bible say about that? How does David, he brings that honesty even before God. He takes it to God. Look at Psalm 58, 6 to 8. He's not talking about lines. He's talking figuratively here. Break off their fangs, right? People are trying to devour them. Break off their fangs, O God. Smash the jaws of these lions, O Lord. May they disappear like water into thirsty ground. Make their weapons useless in their hands. He's not holding back his anger, his frustration, his fear, even the revenge and what he wants the payback to be. But he, what is he doing? He's taking it to God. He's saying, God, this is how I feel. This is what I want you to do. I bet you, you could have some ideas of what you would want God to do to the people that hurt you, right? Probably have, you could probably, you've probably thought of a few things that would just feel really good. Take it to God. Let God know. But here's the key. Romans 12, 19. Dear friends, Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God's going to take care of it. God's going to pay them back. But his righteous anger, his, he's going to do what's right. And so we need to trust God. We need to take that. And that's why it's so important. We bring it to God and we say, God, I, I bring it to you. And that's the first step, that when we deal with our anger, our frustration, our hurt, we don't just internalize it, we don't just lash out on others, we verbalize it honestly and real before God, and it begins to actually diffuse some of the power that it has. Because now we're taking it to God, and to have that trust that, God, you're going to handle the situation, and we begin there. Then we move to step two, which is actually really difficult. It's this, release your grip, Forgive. Why is forgiveness so hard? <laughs> Anyone else with me? Forgiveness can be really hard. So it's not just like, get, again, getting rid of it and be done, but even the verse in, in Ephesians says, instead, right? So instead of, you know, being full of rage and anger, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. Oh, that is so hard to be kind and tender-hearted let alone forgiving to someone that hurt me, to someone who wronged me, to someone that did some maybe even irreparable damage in your life. Come on, it can't be 
that simple. Unforgiveness places us in an emotional and spiritual prison. This is what's so important. Unforgiveness, right? What we think when we like, don't offer forgiveness to someone, we're like, I'm going to put you in the prison of my unforgiveness. Look at you behind bars. <laughs> I'm looking at you behind those bars. I'm never letting you out. And then you look around and realize, wait a second, I'm the one in the jail. <laughs> Why am I the one in the jail? And they're the one they are actually free. And we realize that our unforgiveness is actually what is holding us in that place. And forever those bars are a reminder of something that happened, something that took place, because we can't let it go. Unforgiveness puts us in an emotional and spiritual prison. Forever reminding us of these bars and these things, they keep us looking back towards the past. And here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness says this, I release you and thereby free myself. I release you and thereby I'm freeing myself. Actually, I'm going to unlock the gate to this prison, and the key that I'm holding is my forgiveness. And you know who I'm freeing? It's me that I'm freeing. We think forgiveness is letting somebody else off scotch-free, you let them off the hook, and, and in some ways it absolutely is that. But the biggest piece is the freedom that we find. We want to be honest before God. We've got to release that grip and move towards forgiveness. And I think about the story in the Old Testament that, that displays this honesty and this realness, but also the forgiveness in such a powerful way, is the story of Joseph. It's a story we can spend an entire series on and have, and we'll, we'll do, but here, Joseph, if you recall the story, right, he's sold into slavery by his brothers. Now, that's something that seems to be pretty unforgivable, right? Gee, thanks. <laughs> Fake my death. My dad thinks I'm dead now. I'm off in slavery in a foreign country. In slavery. How could you do this to me? I just can't let this go. For years, forgotten about goes through some incredibly difficult seasons, ups and downs. He was in prison for a lot of years. Miraculously, by the hand of God and Joseph's faithfulness, he rises to power in, in Egypt. But again, all unbeknownst to his brothers, and I wonder what he's feeling all these years in his, in his, in his spirit. Oh, if I ever get the chance to see my brothers again. Oh, if they would know now I'm the second in command in Egypt. I could call armies and chariots and whatnot. I'm sure he rehearsed all kinds of different ways that maybe he could get back at him. And maybe God softened his heart. We don't know. We don't hear all that. But we do see, have this amazing encounter where the brothers come back after years. There's famine in their country. They come to Egypt because they need some food. And they come before Joseph, and he, they don't recognize him because he's a grown man now. He's in charge. He's, they don't even know that it's him, but he instantly recognizes his brothers. And then there's a long story, and you read all through the ups and downs. He doesn't reveal right away to them that he's their brother. And I think part of it, he's probably trying to figure out, what am I supposed to do in this situation? How do I handle this? He could have in an instant gone like, they're done. But he didn't, and he wrestled through. But then comes a moment where he has this moment with, with his brothers. And the, the scripture actually tells us that he wept so loudly and so bitterly that he left and he went to the other room and, and the people could hear him. There was deep pain. There was deep emotion in that moment. And he came back and, he began, and then he revealed himself to his brothers. That's who he was. And I imagine they were terrified. But you know what he never did? He didn't excuse what they did. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into slavery. He never minimized it. He never said, oh, oh, that didn't happen. Oh, that wasn't a big deal. He acknowledged what was there. But then he took steps 
to forge a whole different path than they would have expected or anyone else. And he offered love and he offered grace and he did what this verse said. There was kindness and tenderheartedness and he began to step back and see God unfolding a bigger picture. That there's something more powerful there in that forgiveness and the act of forgiveness that he actually restored that relationship in a beautiful and a powerful way. So this idea of forgiving that verse says, forgive one another, but then it adds like this other thing. In case you're having tr- uh, trouble forgiving, remember, forgive one another, how? Just as God has forgiven you through Christ Jesus, right? Just as God forgave you. So if you're having trouble forgiving, let's, let, let me remind you who forgave you and how many times God has forgiven us for the things that we have done. And there's this amazing story, Jesus even tells us, this parable, right, of, of a servant for, before a king who owed the king more money than he could ever repay pretty much in his lifetime. Massive amount of money that he owed. And, and so the king was like, all right, you gotta get, you're thrown in jail and everything you have is going to be sold until you pay this back. And the, mer- the servant fell at the king's feet for mercy. And the king had mercy. And he forgave him. He wiped out his debt and he said, you're forgiven go. And he went in freedom. And it was an example of God's goodness and God's freedom and what God does for us when when we have a debt we can't repay and that he forgives us. And can you imagine how excited that servant was to be free? But the parable didn't end there. The parable continues where the servant is, is on his way and on his way from this amazing debt forgiveness, he runs into a friend of his, another fellow servant who owed him just a small amount of money. And he said, pay me back right now. And the guy said, well, I can't pay you back. I'm sorry, I don't have the resources. And that servant said, well, then I'm taking you to court and I'm having you thrown in jail. And that's exactly what he did. Well, the king heard about it and called the servant back and said, how could you not forgive your friend who owed you just a little bit when I've forgiven you all of this? And he threw him into jail. And then the Bible says, this is how God is going to be with us. He's going to measure our ability to forgive others to how he will leverage his forgiveness for us. Now, he starts and saying, look, I give you full forgiveness, but now go and live that out to others. Otherwise, you're not demonstrating what God has done. James 2.13 says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. To be merciful, to show mercy I just can't let it go. Never going to let them off the hook. What they did to me, the life they stole from me, what he did, what she did, I can't let it go. This is a spiritual issue. This is something where we can allow God to really work in our hearts and to say, God, how can I understand the mercy that you have shown me? Well, I'll forgive them maybe if they ask for forgiveness. What if they don't ever ask for forgiveness? What if they don't want forgiveness? What if they don't even acknowledge that what they did was wrong? Should you still forgive them? What do you do in those situations? We have Jesus to look to. Jesus is hanging on the cross, wrongly accused of all kinds of things, accused and punished to death, to execution, to criminal punishment. He's hanging on the cross, wrongly accused, dying. And what did Jesus famously say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Nobody out there was asking for forgiveness. 
Nobody admitted that what they did was wrong. Like, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have done that. I think we were wrong. No, they thought they were in the right. They thought Jesus deserved it. Crucify him, crucify him. Jesus, Father, forgive them. I mean, unbelievable. What Jesus demonstrated in his restraint. They didn't receive apology or anything. And I think I would love for forgiveness to be where both parties come together. The most beautiful thing, if somebody asks for forgiveness, acknowledges it, tries to do whatever they can to make it right, even then sometimes we have trouble offering forgiveness. I wish that were the case. And forgiveness does not actually mean reconciliation. It does not yet mean that you are back in relationship and that everything's okay and that you washed over it. That's not at all what it means. But forgiveness is something that you can offer to someone else. And in that process, you're freeing yourself to be able to move on with what God has next. And that's the next piece I want to talk about here is the third part, move on better. It's not just about bringing it to God. It's not just about offering the forgiveness, which is so important, but it's about changing the soundtrack so that we can actually move on in our life, not forever defined by this situation or by this person or what, was, what happened to us. The goal is to move on. And forgiveness is really saying, I'm tearing up the bill. I'm tearing up the debt. I remember uh, having our, our, our church, that when I started a, a church, we borrowed some money from, from a relative, and, and the church, uh, the relative gave some money and then lent us some money for, for a project that we needed, and we were paying back on that, on that loan as we could, and it was a great help to us. And at one point, um, my relative sent a letter back with our, with our uh, full um, you know, capital that we still owed, and it just said across it, forgiven forgiven. And it just brought a new meaning to that word forgiven. <laughs> like, no longer is that connection there. No longer is that, there's no obligation from, from, from that relative to us and from us to them. And it's just that forgiven, I've, I've, tear, I've tear it up. I don't expect or need anything back. The debt, the price has been paid in full. I'm not going to seek anything else, anything more. I'm forgiving you. I'm moving on because I need to look forward to what's next in my life. And this is the beautiful picture of redemption is that God takes the hurt, he takes the pain, he takes those things that we've experienced, and he says, you don't have to stay there. I'm going to redeem it. I've, I've purchased it. I've paid for it. And now you can go into a, a new future together. And so why would we stay in that place of saying, I just can't let it go? Because as long as you're saying, I can't let it go, what are you doing? You're holding on. <laughs> You're holding on to that very person, that very thing, that very pain, and you're never going to move forward because I can't let it go, and you're trying to move forward in your life. I want to see what God has for me. I want to go forward. I want to be better. I don't want to be bitter. I want to be a victor. I don't want to be a victim, and yet, what are you doing? I can't let it go, and you're wondering why you can't move forward because you can't let it go. To be able to say, I'm letting go. I forgive you. I'm moving on. I'm not going to try to collect the debt. I'm not going to collect on anything. I'm moving forward. Redemption. Man, Jesus, after the crucifixion, after his death and resurrection, man, think about how he could have gone back and annihilated his enemies. Come back and just be like, oh, it's payback. He showed love. He showed grace. This winsome spirit. He rose above and he became the victor. He showed what it looks like to rise above the wrongs and the injustices. How do you move forward? How can we demonstrate to the world the power of God's transformation? To take our anger, to take our pain, to take our bitterness, our hurt, our rage, and for God, to, for us to say, you know what? God has freed me from that. 
He's given me a peace. Yeah, that was horrible. That was bad. This is, it was awful. I'm still paying the consequences of that, but it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. I can move forward. What can't you let go of? What have you been not, who have you not been able to forgive? Bring it to God, be real with Him, and then offer that forgiveness. Fill in this sentence. Jesus, you forgave me. I can forgive. What goes in that line? If we struggle with not just putting something in that line, but the statement, we may have trouble with that first part. And maybe today we need to be reminded of, Jesus, you forgave me. My sin, my wrongs, all the ways, that God, that I continue to, to do things that dishonor you. Ways in which I'm not living in, a, in, in right relationship to you and to others, where I've hurt others, but God, you continue to forgive me. Can I offer that forgiveness to somebody else? Stop thinking you have that other person in a prison. Let yourself out of that prison. Start by offering forgiveness, saying, Jesus, you forgave me. Help me to forgive. And you may have to do it over and over and over again, right? How many times, Jesus asked, how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody? Up to seven times? No, 70 times seven. You got to keep forgiving. And sometimes it's just something you got to do within your own spirit. You may never verbally talk to that other person. It may not be safe for you to talk to somebody. Maybe you need to offer forgiveness to somebody who's not even alive anymore and they still have you in a prison. But you do that between God before them. If you have the opportunity, you share that and you say, I forgive you and experience that freedom. I pray that God would just stir in your spirit right now. Let's just bow our heads in prayer. As you wrestle through this, his word, this promise, that you can have a new soundtrack, that you can say, I am, I'm better now. God, you've redeemed my pain and my brokenness. God, you've taken that experience as hard as it is, but God, you're giving me a new day, and I want to move forward. I don't want to keep singing and repeating that same broken, tired soundtrack in my head. God, I want to let go. I forgive. I want to walk in your freedom. Maybe you're here this morning, maybe you're listening online, and you've never experienced the ultimate freedom that Jesus brings when he forgives us. When we come to him and say, God, here's my life, all of it. God, I give it to you, and you, he forgives, and he wipes the slate clean. Maybe you need to receive that forgiveness today. You take that step, and out of that, God will open up new avenues for you in the way that you relate with other people and the pain in your past. Let me pray for you this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the promise. Thank you for the hope of a new day where we can rise above, where we can see a new future, where, where God, you take the pain and the brokenness and the consequences of, of actions that we have been the victims of, that we have been the recipients of against our desire, against our plan. But Father, you are with us every step of the way. Yes, in this world we will have trials and sorrows, but we take heart because you have overcome the world. And God, you can bring us a peace. You can restore. 
You can bring beauty out of the ashes. You can bring goodness out of pain. And while some things, Father, may never be able to be reversed, God, you can lead us forward in a new day. And I pray for individuals in the sound of my voice, God, who are just experiencing some deep-seated wounds that have been incredibly hard to let go. Father, would you gently release the grip and open the door to freedom. I pray for courage to take this step so that this year can be a new year and a new step forward to the future of what you have. God, thank you for modeling your great love for us. And Father, anyone here who does not know your love and forgiveness, Father, thank you that we can come before you and experience the full love and forgiveness that you offer and walk in a new day. We're so grateful for you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.